0: I'm your Dungeon Master Cliff B, and we're rolling dice and talking about all things tabletop. I might be by myself, I might be joined by a plethora of guests, but one thing's for sure, there are some questions out there, and we're fixing to answer them on this month's patron Q&A chat. Let's check it out. Welcome to the monthly patron chat. I'm your Dungeon Master Cliff B, and I have a special guest with me today. He is... A member of the Fables around the table, four out of the first five seasons. He is the dungeon master of Tales of the Void Fair. He is one of the four heads of the Project Derailed Cerberus. A wizard <laughs> of art, a master social media manager, and just a sweet boy who never has enough time in a day. Nick Yurisiva.
1: <laughs> Nick, well, how you doing today, buddy? Good. Well, my ego is just huge now after that
0: (laughs) Uh, I like to gas up my friends
1: yeah you're good at it (laughs) I appreciate it
0: so uh, Nick uh, the first thing I wanted to do is I went and searched the hashtag that I threw up ask 3t and let me tell you there was a gift given to me oh there were no questions, which, you know, given, you know, this is the first one, it's kind of early with everything with Triple T and all that. You know, I was I was not expecting a whole lot. But when you go on Twitter and you search for Ask 3T under the oh, no. tags, it, it's, it's nothing it's nothing bad. Uh-huh. But the <laughs> all of the top posts were from uh About seven years ago, when the Uh Jackson 5 took over the, uh, well, not Jackson (laughs) 5, but the remaining members, when they took over the uh, Twitter account of uh, Celebritain, (laughs) it's a whole bunch of people asking questions for them, so Uh I'm gonna start this off asking you some of those questions, and you can answer those about Derailed, or Fables, or Voidfare, Um, Okay, (laughs) (laughs) Rini at Rini Rini DD asks, hi, is a new album and a tour planned? If so, when? I hope Big Reunion is a new beginning for you.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, you see, there, I can't speak to an album at this time. Uh, You know, NDAs and all of that stuff, but a tour? Well, let's just say stay
0: tuned. (laughs) <laughs> Excellent. Uh, what has the fans' reaction been like in the US compared to the overwhelming reaction in the UK and Europe?
1: Um, it's been comparable. <laughs> and and when I say comparable, I mean absolutely off the charts everywhere. You know, when when people hear project derailed, they just go wild. <laughs>
0: they do. I've been to some of the, uh, live events that have come out for derail. That is
1: true, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, what a weird night.
0: (laughs) Uh, here's a great one at Michaela MJJ. You will be August 29 in Rome, rainbow magic land for the event dedicated to Michael.
1: Um, 100%, one hundred percent. I wouldn't miss it. <laughs> awesome. Glad we cleared those up for those those adoring fans. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Um, here's, I think, the last one. Uh, Raimi at Ramatadiap says, "I want to sing with you. You want to sing with me? <laughs> I need you. I want you. Couldn't live a day without you." Oh, well, how
1: nice. Um, Unfortunately, uh, the the privilege to sing with me comes at a very steep premium, um, and we'll be launching a Patreon uh, sometime soon, so you can look into that.
0: (laughs) I'm excited to see which tier that's going to be located at.
1: (laughs) Shit. Now I'm committed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, now that uh, that fun little segment was out of the way, uh, (laughs) so... I've kind of been curious. I know that the roots of Project Derailed go back when it was a uh, board game, geek news media site, as well as the uh, companion recaps for the Critical Role episodes. But what really got the, got the ball rolling in that transition from, uh, you know, working on board games to being uh, content creators as far as, you know, podcasts and such go?
1: yeah uh, the the project derailed as like a, a brand I guess um, uh, had a lot of iterations and uh, it like at its core it was it's just an excuse for like you know me and my friends to do cool stuff you know uh, so it actually started um, back I don't even know how many years ago now uh, when we were on our way to Gen Con or even on our way back, I think, Um, you know, just discussions talking about like different game design ideas we had for either a board game or uh, RPGs and that sort of thing. And it's the same kind of like hypothetical conversations that uh, when you have a bunch of creative people in one room that spring up. Um, Inevitably. So we had a bunch of ideas and they all were good. Um, At least we thought so at the time. And we're like, well, do we want to like actually kind of do a thing for fun? Um, And that's really how Derailed got started. Uh, I remember I remember we had like an idea for like it was like a board game format, but it was also supposed to be like a introduction to RPGs sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But in a box. Um, I don't even remember all the details, but it was, like, you know, it was medieval fantasy, like, so it was kind of, like, very much in line with, like, D&D, but it was, like, a a board game that, like, not only generated combats, but it was also supposed to generate, like, a story that you play through as well, um... Man, that was forever ago. I almost entirely forgot that that existed. Um, That never went anywhere. (laughs) Um, And then one of the things that we did, like we started a website to just like, you know, like, hey, we want to do a halfway serious thing. So let's do have a website. That sounds like something that should happen. And that led to us deciding we wanted to... Um, put out like blog content like updates on the projects we were doing and like other you know blog posts about you know the gaming uh, the tabletop gaming industry board games and that sort of thing and then we realized that hey actually blogging is really fun and we're getting more traction doing that stuff than anything else So that's when we made the transition from Derailed Games to Project Derailed, where we mostly focus on creating content on the Internet, you know, blog posts. And we had some ideas for um, some video stuff that never really went anywhere. And we brought Tanner on because he had his... uh, his show Critter Miss that he was getting off of the ground and he also had a podcast at the time um, called The Nerdiest Podcast on Earth. Um, I actually don't know if you can find it anywhere. Um, I think it was just like on SoundCloud. We didn't do the whole... We didn't know how to podcast at the time. (laughs) Uh, And uh, that was just something Tanner was mostly running on uh, himself uh, that we would be on. But, uh... um, yeah, so we started creating content that way, and then we got into Critical Role, um, and we decided that we would start doing Critical Role recaps as like a recurring um, blog series on our website, and that exploded. Um, we were doing it only for a couple weeks um, or a couple months, I think maybe, and we were contacted by Brian W. Foster of the Critical Role group. Uh, when they were starting their show Talks Machina um, because there was no other recaps for Critical Role at the time. So they wanted to make sure we were, that was something we were going to be doing consistently and that they wanted to share our recap before each of their Talks Machina episodes each week um, and then that we exploded that way. Um, and those, even though we've now since stopped doing the Critical Role recaps because they were huge time commitment every week um, and there's now other other things that have kind of uh, filling that void um, now but we still get hundreds and hundreds of residual traffic uh, to our website because of those posts nice um, yeah and then from there uh, doing a an actual play was something that I've been kicking around for a long time um, something I really wanted to do. Uh, and, and at first we wanted to maybe try and do a stream. We, you know, toyed around with the idea of streaming, um, on a semi-regular basis, but it was always a pain in the ass. Um, and then I started getting into podcast, uh, uh actual plays myself, like listening to adventure zone and, um, uh, role play and, um, uh, not another D D podcast a little bit. Um, and, uh, and I realized that, hey, this is actually um, actually a really viable medium for actual play. Like, you know, me being a Critical Role fan, only really familiar with, like, the live stream format. Um, suddenly getting into podcasting and realizing that actually doing an actual play podcast is way more achievable. Um, and then that's where things just kind of took off from there. Um, and then we landed on Space d because we wanted to do something different. Um, a little bit uh, out there, and then settled on Spelljammer because that already existed, and there's already a bunch of fans of that setting.
0: <laughs> uh, absolutely, and then you still have so. like, you know, just because a company might stop uh, using that edition for it doesn't mean that those books and that content actually goes away. Like that's still there to pull exactly, from.
1: exactly, and uh, and there's no reason like why. Um, What's amazing is that that the that old Spelljammer content ports to Five V surprisingly easy. um There's not a lot about the the Spelljammer setting that is super specific to Second Edition AD&D. Um, so like most of it is just setting lore and flavor. You know, um, it ports to 5e incredibly easy, um, which is really funny with all the people clamoring for a Spelljammer 5e port, which don't get me wrong, I am too, but (laughs) there's no reason you can't play that setting, um, in 5th edition with little, little setup. You know, you don't have to homebrew hardly anything. You could just, you know, all, everything is there really. You just got to know where to find it. (laughs) Definitely.
0: So, uh, over under that they're actually going to put out a, uh, Spelljammer set with uh things that have come out to light with the uh, some of the more recent books. Not gonna say which um, one because I, I don't want to spoiler anybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't, trust
1: me, I know exactly where every spelljammer reference in Fifth Edition is. <laughs> I found it. Uh, but uh, no, I think it's likely. I think, and I think they even announced that like they are going to like uh revive. Like I think three of the old settings, uh, in fifth edition, really soon. But they haven't announced which ones. But I think if one of them isn't Spelljammer, I think the entire internet will
0: riot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Well, speaking of developing, you know, tells the voidfarer. You know what what went into that? Like, uh, what went into you know your uh, casting decisions? What went into You know, choices for, you know, character classes for everybody to play. Uh, I know you spent quite a bit of time uh, detailing all of the uh, crew members on the Voidfarer.
1: Boy, did I. (laughs) I just love I love creating characters and creating NPCs. Um, So that was like, you know. That's my better bread and butter. Yeah, <laughs> bread and butter. Uh, in fact. <laughs> so, you know, um Yeah. And that that didn't take nearly as long as you'd think, uh, but it is definitely extensive. And then when everything's all said and done now, the hard part is just keeping track of those characters and making sure I don't forget any of them, which has happened. (laughs) Um, Of the original uh, Voidfare crew roster, one of the crew members got completely obliterated from existence because I didn't introduce them. And then it was too late. So like, uh, I just never, there's so many crew members that I never got around to even mentioning that they exist, uh, even in the background. And now it was like chapter three and I'm like, well, it'd be weird if they showed up now. So I just deleted them. (laughs) So, I mean, clearly they weren't important anyway. So, um, so that was a thing. But, but yeah, no, I spent a lot of time, um, developing, uh, what would become Voidfarer. Um, I, I had a lot of ideas about, um, a, a, a generic space D D setting. Like before we decided to do Spelljammer, um, I had, I had, uh, a take on, it being a completely isolated universe from any of like the D and D canon, um, and it would have been this world where like the material plane has shattered, you know. So things, I, an idea like the like the the Feywild and like the Shadowfell is, and like other planes of existence, um, are not like planets in a void. They are just like a endless like flat earthen plane. Mm-hmm. And the material plane was like that, too, at one point, And then some cataclysm shattered it. Uh, and then the, you know, the astral sea flowed into the cracks and it all expanded. Uh, but that and then the idea would be that instead of planets, there are these like flat, uh, like, you know, land masses floating in the space. Um, and I really like that concept. But ultimately, when developing stuff further um, I ran into the problem of, like, well, how is this now different than Spelljammer um, other than, like, that setup? Yeah. So, um, I just decided, you know what, we're going to, let's just do Spelljammer and then set it in a, a homebrew custom sphere where I can do whatever I want. Um, and then I ended up scrapping the Shattered Plane idea. Um, uh, but I may I may use it for something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... But, but yeah like there's just the, the, the flow of ideas and like the way things kind of developed and evolved as we went uh, because originally when if I wasn't doing spelljammer um, the the aesthetic of it would be a little bit more sci-fi mm-hmm. um, still with fantasy and magic um, but it would it wouldn't be like the treasure planet aesthetic that spelljammer has yeah um, so which I really really love. Uh, so like I'm really glad the way we went uh, we went that way so um, but yeah and then creating it was a lot of discussion with Tom uh, Tom meets with me every episode uh, to bounce ideas around um, I'll usually come at him with a I- rough idea of what I want an episode to be um, or, and we'll do this at the top of each chapter as well um, like what, what do we want to accomplish in the chapter and here's the ideas I have Um, And then he's like a sounding board for, like, you know, taking my nonsense and refining it into something good. (laughs) Uh, Tom's an experienced DM himself, uh, and he has um, a lot of knowledge uh, of uh, various uh, uh, fantasy fiction and also history and um, a lot of knowledge I don't. So having him there definitely helps um, because he'll do things like actually create a economic model for the Moonhammer mining company, because the vague thing that I said was happening didn't actually make economic sense. So he's like, okay, if you want something like this to happen, here's what's actually happening in terms of the finances of the, the Moonhammer mining company. <laughs> I'm like all right, Tom, <laughs> you do that.
0: That's kind of amazing. Works for me. Also, yeah. gotta throw gotta throw it in here. If you want a little bit more of a taste of uh, what Tom Goldthwaite brings to the table, uh, check out the Fables Chronicle uh, series of the Fables chapters. Uh, they just wrapped up, but they're there to listen to. Tom not only uh, brought the microscope game system. To the table for that one uh, pun fully intended but he also did all of the <laughs> music for it so give that a check out
1: yeah for sure so yeah um and like the idea for void fair has just been ever evolving um I have, I have a loose idea for an endgame in mind, but the path that we take to get there will be one that I discover as I write it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely. Uh, I, as I write it and Tom refines it. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. And the team process. And not that anybody wants to see Voidfare end anytime soon, but uh, you know, I, that's actually kind of where I was going to go with one of my next questions. I know that uh, if, for the most part there's only so many cooking show memes that you can squeeze out of a uh, food network themed D&D game which uh, continued adventures in that world are entirely possible because the world is pretty separate but is that with the endgame plan for Voidfare is there a plan to go to like a different setting for a subsequent real play for in that theme is there plans to just you know go with like a different cast entirely once that wraps up any idea what your end game is or if they will be, you know, more adventures within Crot space.
1: Um, yeah, uh, we, it's, everything's still up in the air. Um, it's a long way off. We, we do intend void campaign to go to, into the high levels. Um, may, maybe not all the way to 20, but at least up there. Um, and they're all only level six right now. So um, we definitely have a long way to go. And, um, you know, a lot of that is we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But um, the loose idea is uh, we, we may continue the show uh, Tales of the Void Fair um, with new characters and a new campaign. Um, uh, and there's a couple different ways that we've talked about possibly doing that. Um, but, uh, the one I like so far is kind of a next generation sort of vibe, um, where, you know, you have, you have a new party and it's, uh, maybe there'll be a time jump, but it still revolves around, uh, you know, the void fair and adventures in crot space and maybe some other, uh, other Crystal Spheres, Um, but uh, it's it's all up in the air. We may decide uh, when we get to the end of the campaign to put the Vera brand to rest and uh, maybe launch something entirely new. Um, But uh, yeah, it's it's a long way off and we'll cross that bridge
0: when we get to it. Nice. So out of all of the the players, who do you think's had the the biggest growth as far from as far as from like first episode to now um
1: hmm. not Marco Marco's been pretty static I think <laughs> <laughs> um it's interesting I think I think ravnus and luckbeak both uh have have had... Um, a little uh, little like character development and growth but like I said we're still pretty early in our story so I think they both have a long way to go um, and I think we'll get some growth out of Marco too eventually he just hasn't had a need you know him being his enthusiastic let's run at the knowledge indiscriminately uh, <laughs> has worked for him so far so um, I don't know Maybe, uh, when, as soon as that stops working for him, I think is when we'll may- maybe start seeing him change a little bit.
0: <laughs> so, uh, I know you are on a, uh, pretty, uh, tight record to release schedule for Voidfare. Uh, any... Against, uh, despite my best efforts. <laughs> any, uh, surprises that you're planning that you want to hi- give any hints at? <laughs> might, might um, be just might be just asking for uh my own want for some uh <laughs> some inside scoops but
1: um let me think what is something i can tease i'll say this um i'll say this uh uh we still have a few more episodes left to go in this chapter, um, but I am confident in saying the plan right now is the entire next chapter will take place entirely on the Void Fair.
0: love those, uh, love the, love the ship arcs. They're, uh, always yeah. fun getting to, uh, see everybody have to deal with the internal strife, like, uh, when there was a near mutiny. That was fun
1: yeah it was a not mutiny uh (laughs) it was just it was just discussions uh (laughs) but uh but yeah well you know i wanted to mix it up and do something different this chapter um which was the reason for the whole mad max storm run Uh, Deal, which was an idea that I had on the back burner since even before we decided this was going to be a Spelljammer campaign. Um, Actually, I think it was an idea that I had even when I was fiddling around with uh, uh, my own setting before this was even a podcast. Like, I had the idea of, like, oh, there's a desert region where there's, like, a perpetual storm and there's, like, gnomish built vehicles that have to drive through the storm. Uh... And uh, that was repurposed for this. So, like, I've been wanting to do that for a long time. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. So, we wanted to do something different, and uh, and it ended up being a longer chapter than anticipated, which is fine. I think we're doing some really cool stuff, um, and the narrative is going. Some interesting places, um, but it does make me really miss the Voidfarer and all 30 characters that I have named and fleshed out. Uh, so <laughs> um, we'll definitely be spending a, some time with them when we get back. Um, so, and there may be some developments because uh, the Voidfarer is off doing other things while our heroes are is stuck in the storm. Um, so there may be some developments when they get back. We'll see.
0: Oh, I, for one, am super excited to hear about that. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, that, I'm. I'm really excited for the next chapter. Um, me and Tom have started talking about it just a little bit, and I have some ideas, and I'm really excited about. It.
0: Oh, uh, shifting gears just a little bit from Voidfarer, just to the uh, greater Project Derailed universe. Um, you know, we were, you know, we've got Voidfarer. That's the uh flagship show i'd say to uh Mm. you know go on that sailing theme a little bit yeah (laughs) uh but then we've also got uh fables around the table you know the whole you know there's not a whole lot of live streams out there or real plays out there even as well that deal in more more independent or lesser known uh, systems and i really like the uh like the idea behind that, um, you know, and especially with each season being its own self-contained thing, focusing on a different one, um, whose idea was that, and you know, the and you know, what did that development look like?
1: Um, I Fables, uh, I think from the very beginning was mostly Fiona's baby. Um, we had talked about doing a show. That foc- It was an actual play show that focused on indie RPGs because um, D&D is great. I love D&D. Um, D&D is classic, but I also love other settings and I love other types of stories and other games. Um, my appeal of going to conventions is playing RPGs I've never played before. So the idea of like Fables is kind of like take that experience a little bit and give it to our listeners where they get a taste of a bunch of different RPGs, um, a bunch of different stories. And that also lets us rotate game masters, rotate cast members um, and just be incredibly flexible uh, and create these small self-contained stories. Um, The hardest thing about Fables was coming up with a title because <laughs> uh, all of the ideas we had we originally thought of uh were taken i don't remember any specific examples but i just remember it was like a months long endeavor of just like brainstorming names for this show like <laughs> uh and then things would be taken or it wouldn't make sense or it was too long or uh and stuff and me being like the the web marketing guys like we need a we need a name that actually like is good (laughs) uh you know so people know it's descriptive and catchy and all of the rpg puns have been played out um like yeah that's you just can't name your pod your D &D or actual play podcast a a a role-playing pun anymore they're all taken we, we checked um, <laughs> but uh, we eventually landed at Fables Around the Table um, and we really liked it um, it's a little bit of a mouthful we sometimes me- mess it up it doesn't help that our Twitter and social media handles had to be couldn't be Fables Around the Table um, so that makes it even more confusing follow at Table Fables Pod on Twitter and at Table Fables Podcast on, face, uh, on FaceTagram and um, which I enjoy saying, uh, since I made that slip up on Big Streaming Pile. <laughs> <laughs> so everything is FaceTogram now. They're the same thing anyway. They they're, they are associated. Um, uh, they're both owned by the Zook. But anyway, uh, yeah, that was kind of the process for. Um, for Fables. And and I really I love being involved with Fables. Um it's it's great to jump into the shoes of a new character every couple weeks. Um and uh even the the uh the one shot that I ran for Firelight uh was an absolute blast. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that was that was a fun game. That was a fun season. And that's and that's another one of the things that I really like about uh Fables. It's you know, with each season being its self-contained thing in that rotating cast. It's, it's nice because you see a lot of the long-form podcasts out there, and there's really not a huge market out there that's being taken care of for more of a revolving cast. Now, obviously each person comes with their own scheduling restrictions, and when you find somebody whose schedule lines up with yours, you cling on to them for dear life so that you can have consistent games. but. Uh, Right.
1: Well, I mean, that's part of the reason why, like, Chelsea and I have been on almost every episode, almost every season. (laughs) Uh, Because we... um, Chelsea... Chelsea... uh, 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 Just... Chelsea's a machine. Chelsea loves doing stuff for dear That's why she does all the art for all of our fables, which is all fantastic. But uh, anytime that we, that we need her to do anything, she's, she's always a hundred percent down, um, which makes scheduling uh, fables really easy when she's a player. And then me, um, I just don't know how to say no to things. (laughs) Um, And I will, uh, uh, I will all too easily um, subtract from sleep uh, to make time to do, do fun things. So, um, I guess that's my problem. That's my, that's my cross to bear.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but like, I think it's a really novel idea, like, you know, that not, not everyone has the time for a long-term commitment. So, but they still want to do stuff and be involved. And so, you know, those shorter runs games, I think, what the longest, well, was the longest been, um, Chelsea's the uh, Visigoths.
1: I think Curse was one.
0: Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I knew. Uh, I knew a, it was. That's be- a great question. I knew it was. It's it, between it was... Curse or Visigoths because I know those were. Well, it was Vis- I think Visigoths was seven, maybe. Uh, no, Visigoths was well, six, and Curse was seven. I think, but
1: um, let me. Uh, Curse was. Curse was only five real episodes. Like, not including the... uh, I I don't know. Are we including episode zero? Are we including retrospectives? How do we want to count them?
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, I think for Curse, the retrospectives might count a little more just because with it being the first one and having, like, the creators involved with it, uh, that has a little more weight because that's more than just the cast uh, recapping everything. And uh, I think the Session Zero for Fables uh, for for Curse might have a little more weight as well, just because it's kind of the introduction to the core concept of the of it. It's just, you know, continuous short run sessions. Right.
1: Yeah. So Curse, uh, uh, both Curse and Tainted Love had the same number of regular episodes. Mm -hmm. um, And but... Curse had an extra retrospective because we did a cast one and we did one with the creators, uh, Brian Binn and Michael Addison, the creators of uh, Curse of the House of Rookwood. So, yeah, there was one extra episode in that um, in that arc, if you count that. Um, So Curse, Curse was the biggest one, uh, the first and biggest by far so and they get they've gotten like progressively shorter uh but that will change with lost I, th- I think fiona's planning on there being six total episodes uh six numbered episodes so including zero and a retrospective um it'll t- at, t- at least tie uh, curse yeah
0: and that one i i have i haven't really started listening yet but uh that is my plan to do once i'm back on the road, I've been getting so behind on my podcasts. It's crazy. <laughs> it's not, It's to the point now where I've I'm, I'm just not even finished getting caught up to even be harassing you about where the new Voidfarer is.
1: Yeah. Well, I was... The Voidfarer this week was actually on time. Um, I actually had it uploaded at 7 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> um... <laughs> uh, I don't know how I did it. Don't expect it to happen again. Uh, but it's... <laughs> Um yeah. Uh, uh I've I've really been enjoying uh um Lost, but uh Oh I know what I was gonna say. I totally lost track of my train of thought. Um You could say you're it train got derailed
0: of there we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He said it He said the line. But
1: uh I said I said the line, roll credits. Um but uh but yeah, uh, my podcast listening has taken a massive hit this last month anyway, because I started listening to the Stormlight Archive audiobooks, um, which have been great, but that has been all of my, like, driving time, which dr- I now have an hour and a half commute to my job, uh, so all of my driving has been listening to these 60-hour-long audiobooks. So my podcast listening has just kind of tanked <laughs> until I get through these the series so far. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's just the 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 life of content creators. It's all the time, all the time has to be spent making it, and, mm-hmm. and when we do, it's like, well, do we want to go with what we? Do we want to go with the content that's be, been created by others, or do we want to go with this one specific niche?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. My my For sure. my listening has been bouncing back and forth between uh Among us playthroughs just listening to people scream at each other and uh, just trying to keep track of wrestling nonsense right but uh so we've got void we've got fables we've got big string pile uh, that's always a fun one to listen to as well with uh, Fiona and whoever the guest may be, mostly Tom but occasionally more
1: yeah
0: uh-huh. Uh, are there any other big plans for shows coming up that you can talk about, or uh, is uh, Derailed Prime kind of at a uh, peak capacity for the moment?
1: Um, we have a handful of ideas that are kind of floating about. Um, uh, none that are like, imminent at the moment. Um, just because of everybody's schedules right now, uh, we've We've kind of just need to, like, you know, focus on our current lineup of content. But um, we definitely have ideas for new stuff um, and some stuff that is in um, uh, pre production, um, but with no set deadline. um, Whenever we get around to, you know, progressing that, then that's when that stuff will happen. So, um, yeah, so I don't have a timeline for any new derailed content, uh, uh, derailed shows, or anything like that. But, um, we definitely have some ideas and we're always thinking of new
0: ones, so nice. So going back to, you know, the role playing aspect, not so much the, uh, a specific show, but just in general. So what is your process usually like when you're starting to plan out? Um, uh, even like, you know, you can go with like, just like a whole session or just an overview of the campaign. But, like, what's your planning and inspiration, like, phases like?
1: Well, um, the very first thing I do is I go to uh, my uh, uh, Google Drive, and I go create new document, and I title that document (laughs) Idea (laughs) vomit. And that document will live the entire project because anytime I have um, a little inspiration for something, an idea here or there, um, uh, a random concept, or if I happen to be inspired by something, a TV or a movie or an audiobook or, uh or whatever that gives me an idea for that campaign, um, I will go and just tack it onto that document. Um, And then I go and review that document every so often to just refresh my memory on random ideas and random inspiration that I might have had. Um, The document is a mess. Uh, There is no organization. Um, But it, it is a way that I can use to just like throw my ideas that come to me at the random, the most random times in a bin that I can sort through later. Um, and then a lot of that stuff turns into crazy things like, you know, gnomish storm rigs driving into a perpetual necromantic storm, um, or, uh, (laughs) or the, um, the writhing flesh creatures of an undead dragon. Like, uh, yeah, like that's, that's how that stuff comes to be. I just get a random idea for something jot it down and then pick it at some later date to develop further. (laughs) That's where it all happens. Whether it's me planning an arc, uh, a chapter, or just a single episode, um, I definitely go and reference that uh, idea vomit document all the time. (laughs)
0: Nice. Uh, So how often do you uh, we'll we'll say for just D&D for this instance, but how often do you go by, you know, the book stat blocks, blocks for like Monster Manual, or how often you just kind of say, screw it, throw down some HP, some numbers for bonuses and saves, a couple cool abilities and spells, and just say, let's go for it.
1: Um, I, I usually grab the, the stat block um, most of the time. Um, I, I did I did invest in the like D and D monster uh, stat block cards, um, which are super um, convenient. Um, I don't need to lug around the now like three different books that like monster like the, the main monster books are in. Um, and then if I'm using something weird from something else, that's like another book. Uh, I can just grab uh, you know grab the cards I need and I'm good to go and a lot of times um, I like I have a stack of those monster stat stat block cards that I just keep with me all the time and they're things like commoner bandit you know like the thug you know um, like spy and assassin and like that sort of thing random blocks that I can grab if I need a random NPC stat block for some reason um. Yeah, so that's usually the route I go. Um, and if it's a, like, custom NPC, um, like Fitzwilliam Locke or Brohane, um, I'll usually take the time to create a stat block for those characters ahead of time if I know they're going to be in combat. However, I am absolutely not above throwing some numbers on a sheet and that being it, if it comes to that. Uh, <laughs> but I usually, I usually try to do the the legwork ahead of time if I can.
0: <laughs> so the next two questions I have for you are kind of related, I, I imagine, in, in theme at least. Uh, the first one being: Have you had with the Void Fair Crew any of the typical? This was a throwaway NPC just to put a body in a space that the uh, players have kind of adopted, enjoyed, uh, demanded more of. That was just an on-the-spot thing that now you're forced to continue <laughs> on with.
1: Um, <laughs> Not really, because... Uh, I I kind of I kind of have gotten to the point where I I kind of prepare myself for that eventuality, Um, and especially when it comes to like the crew of the Voidfarer, none of those characters were designed to be throwaways, Uh, however, I, I could not anticipate the fascination with Coot as a character. While that was a character I designed to be quirky and interesting like all of the other Voidfarer characters, or most of them at least, um, uh... <laughs> Coot has become the meme um, of the Voidfarer crew and, uh, and I love it. It's great.
0: <laughs> and then, what is the biggest way so far that Saker has thrown you with Luckbeak's actions? Um...
1: <laughs> so the thing, the thing with uh, with Saker and Luckbeak is that uh, uh, Saker has a way of not doing the one thing that every D and D player does in any given situation. Uh, <laughs> where, and it's not, a, it's not a bad thing, but it's definitely something that I've had to get used to. Where uh, there'll be a situation where um, it's, it's something as easy as like you know, alright the, the enemy is vulnerable in this moment you could take a shot right now um, from a distance and he he just won't do it because he's decided that Luckbeak uh, isn't that interested in things like combat or isn't that interested in, like, doing the optimal thing, um, which is fine. Like, you you don't have to play D&D optimally. But it's so funny that, like, uh, when I'm DMing, I almost need to, like, consciously adjust to the fact that Luckbeak isn't always going to do what I think is the obvious thing in any given moment. Um and, and that's a lot of fun, especially when that sort of behavior takes us on a grand journey um, off the beaten path and off of what I had planned. <laughs> um, in, uh, in Chapter 2, uh, I guess spoilers for Chapter 2 of Tales of the Voidfare, um, in the ship fight, when Luckbeak sneaks aboard the enemy ship uh, in the middle of a fight, uh, did not have that planned at all. Um, and luckily, I had a, a, a hastily sketched map of the ship um, that I could reference. And uh, and thankfully, I had a good idea for something interesting to happen for that. But uh, I was not expecting that at all. Um, but it was great. It's one of my favorite moments. And in those moments where a player kind of pulls you off of the plan um to a place that you've not prepared for is one of my favorite moments as a dm um nerve-wracking absolutely but in that moment i become an audience member as much as anybody else because (laughs) fuck if i know what's gonna happen um and it's just an absolute blast
0: yeah i i very much love those moments it's you know where you know it's it's that subversion of expectation that really gets me. And I don't know if it's more so, you know, from my own, uh, experiences, uh, playing with, you know, a varied group. Some, most of them have included Saker. Uh, but listening, listening to the players on triple T, like, uh, I was not, I was expecting, like, in uh, one of the episodes, uh, Dave's character, Sariel, sneaks into the back of the uh, kitchen of one of the uh, steak shops in the town of Brisket and is looking around. I think that she is trying to steal the recipe... Uh, To try and sell it because, you know, these two warring uh, businesses, not like outright warring where it's devastating to the town, but they have been, they're in competition and this is like a new innovative thing that they're doing between the two of them. And she wants to sell the recipe and, you know, make some gold. No, she wanted Mm. to go and convince the owner that the other place stole his recipe to start more of an actual war. And I was just Oh wow. I was very thrown by it at first but if, if Dave had made that known I think I probably would have gone for it. But I already had in my head that like this guy is the guy who's does everything by you know just memory of doing it. Like, the other place, they would write down recipes, but the one they chose to go to, this is the one with, like, the second-hand equipment that they are using, like, you know, new ways of of using the equipment to make their food. So his plan would have gone off, and he would have found a recipe if he had gone to the other place. But, uh, instead, it's just like, no, this is all seasoning and cooking by memory
1: right right yeah it's good stuff
0: and then uh <laughs> it's always fun when you have a player playing a barbarian who is good at combat but doesn't necessarily want to be doing it uh chris is playing uh, the dwarven equivalent of a 15 year old who just wants to Go back home and enjoy the fact that his family's wealthy, but he's supposed to be getting sent off to school. And mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he's got that barbarian because he's a temperamental 15-year-old.
1: That's awesome. <laughs> that, that's such a great take on a on a barbarian. Yeah. <laughs> I just the teen angst. <laughs>
0: yeah, I I love those, uh, sub- those subversions where it's just. Like, you mentioned Madpod, and uh, there was one point where uh, Jay Kerwitz, he had to play a different character for a little while, and he was playing Jivlin, the uh, the dwarf who, he was just very kind of even ta- even-tempered in just the way he talked and everything, but just like... Oh, you you don't. That makes me that makes me rather angry. You don't want to see me angry, and just his tone and temperament did not change. But he just his actions are what spoke for him. And just like mm-hmm. the like yeah, that whole awesome. away from just the whole hulking raging monster and just the the different subversions like that. I'm a fan of those for sure. Uh, well, we've been here uh, just about an hour. And I don't want to take up too much of your night, but uh, it has been absolutely fun getting to talk to you, Nick, in a, you know, delving sure. delving more into, you know, the behind the scenes and the sausage of how, you know, Voidfarer and derailed, get, derailed gets done.
1: Uh-huh, for sure. And I could talk about D&D for, like, literally ever.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh. uh... We're planning on—I'm planning on doing this, you know, once a month, and there'll be, I'm sure, plenty of opportunities to come back and talk about, you know, all kinds of other stuff going on with D&D and check-ins on how Voidfare is going and everything like that as well.
1: Absolutely, anytime. Right.
0: Well, uh, Nick, you want to go ahead and do any plugs or socials and all that fun jazz?
1: Sure. Uh, my name is Nick Yurisiva. You can follow me on Twitter at Nick underscore Yurisiva and on Instagram at Nick underscore Yurisiva. Um, I am the Dungeon Master of Tales of the Voidfarer. You can follow that on Twitter at Voidfarer Pod and at Voidfarer Podcast on face Um And you can also follow at Project Derailed on Twitter and everywhere else. Awesome.
0: Well, everybody, uh, thanks for listening. I have been your host host and Dungeon Master for Triple T, Cliff B. You can get a hold of me at Triple T d uh, You theoretically know that if you are a uh, Patreon subscriber. Uh, if not, if you're listening to this on the main feed when this goes up, uh, you can get more of these and our other random encounter table offerings monthly uh, patreon.com slash Triple uh, but thanks for listening, and I hope you have a great night. Bye. That wraps up this episode of the monthly patron Q and A chat. Be sure to join us next time. You can check out the players on the Three Dude Cast, and reach out to us about the show on Twitter at Triple T D If you want to help support the show, tell your friends. If you aren't already, consider becoming a patron at Patreon.com/tripletdnd. Leave us a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice, and tweet about the show using hashtag tripletd and Also, check out all the other great podcasts on the Project Derailed Podcast Network. Visit projectderailed.com for more information and links to all of those awesome podcasts. We'll see you next time on the monthly Patron Q&A chat. Project